the volume. Soup with Coop is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. My next guest on Soup with Coop is, according to my daughter and my wife, the best looking person I will ever interview in my life. So I apologize to your former teammate, Nick Mangold, we've interviewed. I know he thought he was there taking the guest uh, last on number one, but Eric Decker, welcome to Soup with Coop. Oh, I appreciate having me on. I was, I, I was thinking Eli was maybe going to be uh, before Nick, but Nick does have that sexy beard, so I get it. Well, Eli well, he's never returned my call, so he's never been interviewed. <laughs> he's very elusive right now in retirement, you know? Uh, I imagine. He's taking his time and enjoying it. What kind of soup are you having today? I got a little wild rice soup. Um, actually, it's, it's in my wife's cookbook. I made her put it in there because this is kind of a northern thing, in, in my opinion. Uh, growing up in Minnesota, we passed the wild rice fields, going to the lakes, and this, is, this has been a staple uh, for me growing up. You know, when you talk, the only word you said there that makes you sound like you're from Minnesota was Minnesota. Every other word, I think you've been, I think you've gotten like TV lessons or something because you sound like you're from nowhere now. And I'm, I think <laughs> your fellow Minnesotans, your classmates are probably not proud of that. Yeah, it's gone. There's, there's words though, pop, you know, uh, uh, roof. There's some words that it comes out, but I think, yeah, I've been trained to be kind of Switzerland in the sense of my, my speaking uh, dialect. I was in Minnesota this summer and I was driving to this lake to meet a friend who had invited me. And I kind of got the two, I said, I, I want all the, the dialect, give it to me. I want to be able to use it. I want to try to fit in. And the one I really, the two I really like is, don't you know? Don't you know, eh? <laughs> and you betcha, you betcha. You betcha. Oh yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. You betcha. Oh man. You know what? I went back to myself um, in August and you kind of forget sometimes when, you know, it's uh, months go by and especially being in the South, it's just, it's a different, again, uh, different speech in that sense. And it's like, wow, you know, like it's, it's, I love it. You know, it's just a good old, Oh sure. Yeah. You know, of course you betcha. Yeah. <laughs> Now, did you eat a lot of soup growing up? And do you still eat a lot of soup? Yeah, soup for me, like during the winter was, like I was saying, a staple. We, uh, so when I was in college, went to the University of Minnesota. I grew up about an hour and a half northwest of the Twin Cities. And um, that was, there was two things I had my mom bring me on a weekly basis. It was wild rice soup and chili. So I don't know if you put chili into soup, but it was just hearty, you know, good warm food that kind of got me through the, the really cold winters <laughs> that you experienced in Minnesota. Now, growing up in Minnesota, Minnesota, you know, is not known for a, producing a ton of athletes into the college ranks in the NFL. Were you a dominant guy in fifth grade, sixth grade? So were you always kind of the best athlete? Because I mean, to make it in the NFL from Minnesota is, is saying something. It's not a laundry list. I was looking at all the players from Louisiana in the Super Bowl. There are like 11 players with Louisiana ties. Wow. Minnesota had one, which I was 
kind of glad to see. Uh, but, Johnson, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I was, so I was tiny up until 10th grade. I, I had about a six or seven inch growth spurt over the summer going into my junior year. And I was just so competitive. I think that was the biggest thing. I, I grew up going to the baseball park, the amateur baseball park in town every day. And, you know, whether it was doing the scoreboard, um, whether it was, you know, shaking fall balls and playing, we call the game butts up. And so it's, it's basically throwing a racquetball against the wall and you got to field the ball cleanly. Otherwise you got to run and take the wall without someone pegging you before you get there. And so I'm, you know, I'm eight years old playing with 13, 14 year olds and I'm just getting beat. Like I'm getting dominated. I got welts coming home. I'm bleeding. And so it kind of, I think trained me just that competitiveness and just, you know, just to keep going and resilience. And um, yeah, I think in high school, there was definitely a sense of dominance, but when I got to college, I mean, I was from a very small school. And so I had a red shirt. It was a, you know, transition time for me. Um, but what got me through was just, I think that, that mindset, you know, that like, I'm going to outwork everybody. And so that was really, I think what gave me the opportunity to, to play in the professional league. Now in high school, you were a very good athlete, obviously baseball, basketball, football. Did you always have a favorite? I loved high school basketball. I think just, you know, the, the smaller gyms and people packed in, you, you can't beat that environment. Um, and I think ultimately baseball was my favorite sport. I grew up Twins fan. Kirby Puckett was like my idol. Um, I always wanted to play professional baseball. That was my dream. And that's what, you know, every day I'd have my bat and my ball be visualizing robbing a home run like Kirby Puckett used to do back in the day and, and um, got to dabble in it. But, uh, you know, I, I think all of them were, were great sports for me. Were your parents uh, big sports fans? Did they have a big influence on you liking to compete? Yeah, my, my dad's side, um, they all were athletes. So my my uncle played a little bit in the NFL. My my dad played collegially. He played multiple, multiple sports. Um, and then my aunt on that side as well played in the professional women's basketball league as well. So they were a very athletic family and very competitive family. And I think, you know, uh, just being around them and kind of have it almost in your genes was was kind of what drove me. And then being recruited, uh, probably you weren't a big recruit because of the school being smaller. Did you where where else did you consider going to college? St. John's University, Division three school in uh, St. Joseph, Minnesota, ten minutes from my hometown. And correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I'm a little naive when it comes to hockey, but that's a pretty big hockey powerhouse in the in the in the world of hockey gurus. Yeah, I mean, hockey. You go to every school in Minnesota. It's uh, it's. I mean, obviously, Duluth down to the Twin Cities, up to yeah, St. Cloud, St. Joe, where I'm at, um, Mankato. Every Minnesota team was was good in hockey. I mean, it's the extension of Canada and. That's one thing too, is my high school was so small. We had seven schools combined to make one hockey team. So I was kind of, you know, just disinterested in the sense that you're traveling for practice every, every week to a different school um, to play that. But yeah, everyone grew up playing hockey. Um, it's no secret between us two, Eric, we've talked about this before. My dad got traded to the Vikings late in his career and, uh, I was in fifth grade, Peyton was in third. 
Eli was a, you know, a little whatever running around in diapers probably, but we moved to Minnesota uh, for his last year in the NFL. And um, it was a pretty big adjustment. Go up there just for the fall. <laughs> my mother is from Mississippi. So her Southern accent, I mean, it stuck yeah. out like a sore thumb, but we got to play football. That was kind of the bit. I'm like, I'm not going up there, dad. And he's like, look, they're, they have a high, they have a school fifth grade football team, tackle football. He had this rule. We couldn't play tackle football to the sixth grade, but there in fifth grade, he kind of bent the rules and uh, it was green light. And I had a blast up there. Yeah. I love, I love watching people just react to my mother's Southern accent. <laughs> oh, I imagine. I mean, it's like a, you know, sticking out like a sore thumb probably up there. Yeah. She was from Mars. You go through the line at McDonald's and, you know, she'd order. And by the time we get to the window, the whole, you know, everybody would be sticking there like, who looks like, talks like this? Who could possibly just, you know, um, but not unlike the ducks when they flew south, but so did my mom. So it got around Thanksgiving and we went back <laughs> to uh, warmer weather. A good, uh, smart move because it's, uh, as you know, it gets pretty dang cold about December, January in Minnesota. So it was just Minnesota was your best offer in the world of high. Oh, yeah, let me tell you the story here a little bit. So I, I was kind of a small town kid that I played, you know, baseball in the summer and did all the, you know, basketball and football activities that, that were offered as well. But I, I, I didn't really want to go to camps, you know, so I, I didn't do any of the um, college camps around the area or the regional camps that at that time, I don't know who set them up. Um, I just was really comfortable in, in the sense of what I was doing in my hometown. So I got a call from Glenn Mason saying, you need to come just for a one day camp. We just want to evaluate you. He was the head coach of the Gophers at that time. And so I went, offered me a scholarship on the spot. And honestly, it just changed my world because I would have been going to a division three school, probably playing baseball and uh, football there. And, and, you know, who knows, I guess at that point where it would have led me to. So very thankful. And I always give, so rivals.com is a buddy who started it living in Nashville. Every time I see him, I give him a hard time about the two stars. I'm like, you didn't, you didn't help me in any way of getting more looks. I, I got one scholarship because at that time, Rivals, and still probably is, it was a big platform for coaches. I, was, I, was, I saw um, Mac Jones posted an old text he had with the Rivals guys when he was in high school trying to get noticed, like, hey, uh, can you help me out? And he's like, call your local guy. I don't have time for this nonsense. And sure enough, you know, he's making it look easy four or five years later. It's, uh, and that's kind of cool thing about, you know, when you're 17 or, you know, going to be 18, nobody, it's hard. It's hard. It's just as hard. It's probably harder for these college guys to evaluate who's who. You can definitely tell who's big and developed and ahead of the curve, but it's really who's a project who's really going to come on. Yep. That's meaningfully harder than trying to figure out who to draft as a general manager in the pros. I mean, that's. And the pool is that much larger. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, what's the potential of these kids you know at college you develop like you said I mean for me I put on 20 pounds my freshman year in college and I grew a couple inches still and so it's like definitely was a project in that sense of of just kind of developing me physically now did you have good quarterbacks at the University of Minnesota so when I came in I had Brian Cupido who was was pretty good um, and then Adam Weber was my quarterback for three years. 
who got a chance. He, he came to Denver for, on the practice squad, bounced around practice squad a few few times, and he was good uh, and had potential. We had multiple coaching changes. Not, we, we had a new head coach come in, but multiple offensive coordinators. Every year it was switching them out. And so I think that was such a deterrent to his future because – you know, of the, the change, the constant change that we kept going through. Now you play baseball too. In college, how, yeah. How does baseball work in Minnesota? I mean, when does, are you out there just in the snow catching fly balls at a, you know, probably earlier than you should be? We spend a lot of time in our indoor. So the football indoor we used as our primary practice facility. And for the most part, February, we would head south, you know, whether it's Florida, Texas, um, California and would probably play three or four series um, just because we couldn't play uh, outside of Minnesota. And it, you know, you could tell how such a disadvantage of not being, you know, outside taking fly balls and ground balls naturally, um, even, you know, hitting the same thing you're hitting out of the cage. You're not, you're not playing scrimmages in, in a little, you know, football facility. So it, there, there was uh, definitely some adjustments, but we, we made it work. And now, even after I left, we've, they've really upgraded uh, the facilities at Minnesota to kind of compete, I think, with some of those Southern teams. Now, as, you, as you're getting further along in your college career, did you ever think, okay, professionally, I might have a better chance playing baseball than football? Did you ever yeah. juggle those? Yeah, I definitely went through that process. And actually, you know, I remember having a conversation with Joe Maurer just because in high school, easy choice to be the first round draft pick at MLB, but he also had a passion for football and had a scholarship offer to Florida state. And it's like, I'm like, what, what, what made you pick baseball? You know? And at that point he didn't know he was going to be a first round draft pick or first overall. Uh, but he just said like, I just love it. Like, this is, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. This is, you know, the direction I want to go. And so I was thinking to myself, like, okay, I love football. I mean, it's a team sport. Uh, there's, there's no highs like football. There's no camaraderie like football. And, um, and then I also thought, okay, I'm not as developed in the baseball world. So I don't want to be that guy on the bus, you know, 200 days a year eating PB and J staying at super eight motels, you know, like that, it didn't sound appealing. That sounds great to me. I don't know. Why does that not appeal to you? That sounds amazing to me. <laughs> I had a PBJ right before this suit just to kind of soak it up. I mean, coming home in the summer and getting a summer job just to, you know, make uh, means end. And so honestly, it was like, okay, lifestyle wise, I wanted the family, wanted some, some structure in my, in my life. And I was just better developed in football. So um, I, I did like talk to scouts and, and go down that direction, but obviously football was, was the better direction for me. Did you go to the combine? Went to the combine. Um, so I got a, a major foot surgery, uh, like November of my senior year. So we're at Ohio state and I uh, just made a weird cut Had a Liz Frank injury. So basically it was like hardware put all throughout my foot and went there, did the wonder Lake, did the you know interview process, but couldn't compete in terms of, you know, uh, everything. And I think that's, that was not, not a downfall for me, but being obviously a big 10 white receiver, they want yeah. to see me run. They want to see what, what, what I look like movement wise. And so I, I wasn't able to do that or the, or the, uh, the one at college. Um, the yeah, so like it, it was a disadvantage. So you, so you never, did they have a 40 time that they thought you ran at all? I mean, they, they yeah, they estimated like a, a 40 time for me, just, you know, ballpark, like, Oh, what we see on, 
on film. I don't, I don't even know how they came up with it, but yeah, it did. It was like a four or five, five or something. And what do you, what do you think you would have run at the combine? I think with training, I would have got maybe sub four or five, but probably four or five. It's probably pretty right. Yeah. And so getting drafted in the third round, were you pleased, surprised, happy, sad? All of it. I was, I was all of it because, you know, going on the visits after the combine and pro day and, you know, the specific teams like, okay, they like me, maybe they'll, they'll draft me. All of a sudden, different receiver before me, different receiver. And, and it's like it got down to Denver, who was at the end of the third round, like, you know, I got hundreds of family members and friends over, like, this, is, this isn't going good. And I remember walking down the street like, God, like obviously a very, very blessed and appreciative of, of even being in consideration, but like, like, I need my name called. And so I was surprised because they took Demarius Thomas in the first round. Um, they weren't like, I wasn't high up on their board, I don't think, in terms of receivers. And so, uh, but very relieved in the sense that I got the phone call from McDaniels. Um, so you're also in the same draft class as Tim Tebow, correct? Sure was. Yeah. And if memory serves me correct, uh, y'all were roommates early on in uh, in camp. Is that true? Right? That true? Right? That's that's true. Yeah, our first camp, we uh, they, they matched the rookies up, um, and it was me and Tim, and his uh, hyperbaric chamber, and uh, <laughs> that comes think, with it. Yeah, that yeah, came with. Now he, he obviously brought it with. And I just remember him being there all night, this, this buzzing sound. I'm like, I'm like, can I get a transfer here? Or, I mean, I'll sleep, I'll sleep on the couch in the lobby for God's sake. And uh, I mean, Tim is the most like, just type A like structured. You know, things are going to be done his way. Um, so there was, yeah, there was, there was, it was fun, but it was definitely an experience. Yeah, I've met Tim a couple times, but. To say I know him would be a, a stretch. <clears throat> I have, I, you know, I think a lot of people are curious. I mean, he's obviously loved and and um, well respected. But yeah. what what kind of a football player he is is you can tell he's a passionate guy. But what kind of guy he is, just hanging around watching, uh, you know, Andy Griffith reruns. I, I don't have a clue. And you know, that, that's the thing that. I felt it was hard to get to know him. I mean, I would ask questions and obviously he's protected because he, he was probably one of the most famous, you know, NCAA college players and, and had this persona that, you know, obviously a very religious and, and just a good guy, which he was, but yeah, you know, I'd be like, all right, man, come on, just me and you. Right. Did it happen once or twice in college? Like, uh, come on, like, you know, like, people were flocking all over me, you know, and obviously no, but, you know, from a personal standpoint, just, it, it was a little bit more challenging to get um, to really know him. And I always, I guess, compare contrast to Peyton who relationships are everything to him. So the dinners, you know, outside of uh, just work um, on the road, you know, the camaraderie aspect like that to me is, is so important. And that's one thing that, you know, he didn't do as much. And I think he just was probably scared a little bit to go in, out in public and people bother him and whatnot. But I mean, Peyton Manning is just as popular, if not more, like he, he, he found a way to do it. And, um, you know, so again, that was one challenge I felt like as a leader, you have to be that person. You have to, you know, kind of get the team 
corral and gather and really spend that time because it's it's valuable and translates onto the field. Do you think Tim probably made a mistake not asking you to share a bowl of soup with him and just kind of talk? Yeah, I think we, we could have hashed a lot of things and really got deep over some some you know wild rice soup. As I, you know, people want to know, I wanted the chicken noodle soup because I told I told Coop I'm a basic, I'm a basic guy here, you know. So we had to go one step up, and I would have took it with Tim too to go one step into the into that world. How did Tebow throw in that first practice when you're all watching him throw? Was it a little bit? I'm, I'm sure that the cameras and the interest level was at an all-time high. No one even cared about that third round draft pick. They just want to see what number 15 did. What did he throw like? Through hard, hard, and um, and it was it was never really tight. You know, it, was, it always had a little wobble. But he he was always. I'll, I'll go back to the offseason program. I mean, he was out running skilled players, and I mean, he he would last. His endurance was insane. Like this guy was an animal. You know, as far as workouts, and you get to practice, same thing. He's out there forty five minutes before breaking fingers on the equipment guy's hands. Um, but the one story I always tell is, you know, we had to kind of modify our like three-step drop, uh, which in essence is like the quarterback takes three steps and throws it. You go about six yards and the ball should be there. Well, we had to take it to like 10 yards because it didn't get out on time. So we, we definitely modified our, 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 uh, our package. I was always curious about that because Tim is such a good athlete. He was obviously so successful, but you know, even you know when he was in the NFL, they were trying. He has that big dip, and they were trying to fix it. And I was kind of always curious why no one ever said. I guess they were winning and didn't want to screw it up. At some point, you say, Tim, this is not you know going to serve you well in the long haul. You have to try to relearn things in your twenties is meaningfully harder than doing things at you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. So um, yeah, he's got a big a big loop. Yeah, it just took, it took a little bit longer to get out. And obviously, as you know, I mean, the NFL is quick and that's everything. How is the soup tasting? Did your wife prepare it? Did you prepare it? Yeah, no, she prepared it, of course. I can't cook. And I, I actually, so this is a little twist. It has a little Southern twist to it. She um, is a raging Cajun. She's from Louisiana. So we got the, yeah, we got the basics in there, but she threw some mushrooms, which, uh, to me is abnormal, some Tony seasoning, a lot of seasoning that went in that I never grew up with. Everything was bland, basic. Just meat and potatoes. potatoes, no butter, no salt, no pepper, just, you know, green beans off the, off the farm. I, so I, have, it's, yeah. I have a feeling your wife just in so many ways has been a very positive influence on your bland self. You really, you I mean, you know, you got your hat on backwards now, you're wearing a t-shirt. I actually even went, normally I wear a coat. I knew you'd be casual. So I even, you know, oh yeah, look at that. We breadwinners in the Decker household. I like that. Yes. Uh, a little no, I will say she's brought some light. She's brought some, uh, uh, what's, what's the adjective I'm thinking of? You know, she's, she's, uh, she brought some juice. Yeah, some mojo. Yeah, some mojo. Some spice, yeah. some flavors, some uh, yeah, spice. And yap, spice. some Louisiana <laughs> fire. That's it. I love it. Now, how does a guy from Minnesota wind up marrying a country music star? You probably a karaoke night that went bad for you that you know she felt sorry for you. I got a beautiful voice, Coop, but um, <laughs> <make> this... <laughs> 
with a little reverb and you know some uh, some editing post edit that could sound good. It was the, it's such an interesting story. I'll try to keep it short, but like I was in Arizona training. It was the lockout year, so I was traveling and like obviously living it up, being young and having some resources. Finally, it's like all right, great. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a lot of stuff. And she was on the road at the time, living in Nashville. And honestly, the guy I was working out with was 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 hooking up with this girl. I mean, I don't know if they're dating. Sure. And she's like, oh, I know someone for you. And I'm thinking, great, I'm in Arizona. I'll get to know someone, you know, on a short-term basis. Well, that being Jess, and we were on the phone texting for a little bit. And then all of a sudden we, we, we would do, at that time, it wasn't FaceTime. I forgot what platform it was, but we, we talked for hours every night. And I just was like so intrigued. And I, I never was a person to open up easy and just kind of indulge my life story. And um, I felt so comfortable with her. And so after a month, we talked for a month. And so really got to know each other from like an emotional standpoint. You know, it wasn't just a physical relationship at that time. And so flew to Nashville. She says it, it was awkward. I said it was great that first weekend. <laughs> and uh, since then went back and forth until three months later, I said, you're moving to Denver with me. And so she moved in and, you know, we, we moved kind of quick, I guess, but it was just, it was just crazy timing. Cause I thought I was gonna be single forever. She got a relationship. She thought the same thing and, you know, boom, we, we met and, and the rest is history. And um, the idea of being on a reality show with your wife, how is that, did you enjoy that? Was it, was that in itself, uh, a requirement to, to seek some marriage counseling just to try to get through that because I know it's those cameras are everywhere and they're in your face that could be some long days yeah the the first I think couple weeks of it was like challenging the sense of understanding what it was you got to be on it is it is a job in itself um but what was great is that like you know my wife is like a bulldog so we had a couple of different pitches from production companies wanting drama or wanting something, you know, a certain thing. And she's like, no, this isn't what it is. You know, this, this is the story we want to tell. And so picking the right people was, was the biggest thing. We had the right team, the right camera people. And uh, yeah, there was some long days in terms of shooting certain stuff and you know, having to go back and get another shot of it. Cause obviously it's, it's, it's for TV. And, but it, it, it developed into like kind of a fun platform, you know, and like it created a brand for us that I think still kind of lives to this day and, and, and really is, is true to who we are. So that, that was the biggest thing is, is telling the story that was truthful that like, this is who we are, you know, take it or leave it. And some people loved it, some people didn't, but it was, it was fun. It was, a, it was a fun experience, obviously, again, like not something I would say, yeah, that's the first thing I want to do, but, um, became long, really lifelong friends with some of these, these crew members, which has been, it's been cool. Now, while you were in football, did you ever, I mean, you know, everybody kind of, as they get further down the road, kind of looks and says, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up knowing this can't last? Did you ever uh, consider getting into coaching or broadcasting? Any of those appeal to you? I did. Uh, once I retired, went and kind of did a few, stops at different stations. And um, I don't think I was ready at that point just because I was ready for just a break and not being on a schedule and, you know, spending some time with kids who are, who uh, my kids are young. So really got to spend some beneficial time with them. 
but yeah, that's like the million dollar question for sure. You know, there's a lot of things that I love or am interested in. Now it's just, as I always say, as an athlete, you know, you're on the, stru the structured schedule. Like they tell you what to do. And so not being as proactive sometimes, you know, in this real world now is, is challenging. Like I have to make sure either I have the right people around me or I'm pursuing and, and putting the time in to do what I want to do because no one's going to tell me what to do anymore. I, I have to figure that out. So, you know, that's like right now, the thing I'm going through is, you know, I have all these things that are stimulating or that I want to try out. And it's just a matter of taking that next step and, and getting into it. So coaching is, is something I think, you know, the, the teamwork aspect of it is, is intriguing to me. Um, but I don't think I make it ever as a college or professional coach, but in some world, whether that's helping other people out right now, I'm helping Jess with, with Kittenish. So building the team and, and scaling a business is fun. You know, that's coaching. Um, so yeah, I don't know. You know, I think it's a peculiar time in everyone's life when they've played in the NFL, they've obviously earned some, uh, some handsome income. And then you're still a young guy and all of a sudden going, okay, now I'm ready to go into the world. What do I want to do? Because, you're not going to want to go kind of take the low level, horrible job, but at the same time, you know, you're not necessarily qualified to take the higher job and there's kind of this, and then you're known. And then it's just a, it's kind of an interesting uh, puzzling time. And I think a lot of NFL players struggle with coming out of it and, and you still have a, an ego and you're still well known. So you don't want to take something that's beneath you to make you look like you're not successful. It's that's a tough balancing act. It is. It is a balancing act. I think that transition, and I, I went through it like, oh man, I was like, after I'm done, like, great. I don't, I don't really need much. I'm just going to enjoy life. And and at a certain point, you're like, you still need need something. And so it's like, okay, then to your point, what is that? Well, if I want to get into this, I don't have the experience. I don't have the expertise. I need to start at a lower level. It's like, okay, well, how much time do I want to commit? You know, like, I think you got to really map out what that long-term plan is and, and then kind of connect the dots and how you get there and just and, and be comfortable with that decision. And so, you know, entrepreneurship has been helpful. I think, again, economically, you're set up where you can do interesting things as well. Like, so like real estate, you know, or just any kind of investment is an opportunity as well. That's not hunkered down time-wise, but, but you can be involved as little or as much as you want. And, you know, there's, there's the risk in the, in the teamwork and the stimulation that, you know, maybe some guys thrive for. Eric, when you were in the NFL, were you around guys in the locker room who are, you know, they're making money, but maybe not hitting the big contracts that are spending their money absolutely insanely. And you're going, this is not going to end well. Yeah. I mean, that's more than you, I can count. You know, it's like, and it's sad because you see it really in like on the plane when you're, you're gambling and playing card games. It's like, do you, I mean, there's no concept of like budgeting or the value of a dollar. Like a dollar isn't a dollar, you know, like someone's going to take half that from you, whether it's the government or it's your agent or it's, you know, who, like, so it's, yeah, I think that's a big thing that the NFLPA has gotten better at maybe, but the education aspect of these guys, they think that this money is just going to come forever. You know, it's like, this is their lifestyle. It's, it's, it's kind of sad. And then, do you ever find that the players that are probably more unprepared to handle money and this newfound fame and, you know, kind of responsibility, do they lean on peers or do they lean on people that are 
smarter and been around and know what's going on and going, man, I know I don't know what I'm doing, but I bet he does. Maybe I ought to align myself with this veteran who seems to be making a ton of money, but still driving a pickup truck. Yeah. It's case by case basis. I wish that that was the, the thought process. And I wish that was like drilled in, you know, at a young age, even, you know, in high school, I feel like that's something that can be, can be looked at, you know, like, how do you how do you spend money and what what are the consequences you know because that that's obviously what drives everything in this world and so it's yeah it's to the point where you you know the young guys and when I became a veteran you know making that a priority in the receiver room for me is talking to these guys about listen like you make good money but you got to make good choices you can easily blow fifty thousand dollars at the club on bottle service but what what kind of return are you going to get on that like you know you can go out and spend. $300 on a date night with a girl, you can get the same thing you're, you're trying to get at the club. Like it's, you know, it's, it's choices for sure that you try to teach them. How are you feeling now? I know you've had surgeries. Tell me how many surgeries you've had. Are you, are you beat up? You, you look fine, but do you feel, feel okay? I feel good, but I've had my fair share for sure. I think that was truthfully one of the reasons I wanted to get out too. I just was kind of mentally like exhausted from season rehab season rehab so I, I have i've had one i've had my foot my knee my hip my shoulder all repaired and um obviously multiple injuries on top of that but that was for sure just a driving factor of you know you just get you get wore out mentally like obviously i love the game and uh, there's nothing like it but you can only take so much emotionally and mentally um and, and i've took my fair share even through college too i mean Every year, I felt like I got a major, major injury or something I was dealing with. Eric, we always rank our soup one to 1,000, 1,000 being the best. Curious, take a sip, see what you, you I, I like to, yeah, go right for the neck of it here. That, that's, that's, a, that's a 999 for me on the scoreboard. And I think the, the, the one point, point off was it didn't, it didn't uh, brew long enough or cook long enough to really adapt that Tony seasoning flavor. See, I think that would be a big fight in a reality show right there for not leaving one point out. I think you'd be in deep, deep. You gotta be honest though. That's honesty is key. Well, honestly, I think you're a great <laughs> guest on Super Coop. You're invited back anytime, my friend. Thanks, Coop. My brother.